Hello, everyone. And inside today's Lockdown Canadians, we have the Laval Rocket advance to the third round of the AHL Calder Cup playoffs. We're going to talk prospects and we're going to talk former coaches all coming up inside today's show. For Lockdown Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 618 of Lockdown Canadians. We are your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast brought to you by Lockdown. And you can follow us on YouTube if you want video or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are very, very sorry. We had to skip an episode. There were extenuating circumstances that we could not, unfortunately, record when we normally would uh, following the Laval Rockets. 3-2 3-2 overtime win over the Syracuse Crunch on Tuesday night. I am one of your hosts. I am, of course, Scott Mallon. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, the Rocket have advanced. The Canadians have not done anything stupid. How are we feeling heading into Thursday <laughs> of this week? I like how you had to qualify with the Canadians haven't done anything stupid. Here's the thing. It is technically the second round that they won, uh, but that's because they got a buy-in to the second round, right? They didn't have to go through the uh, knockout stage or whatever you want to call it. I mean, they're all knockout stages at this point. Either way, this is the first series win in Laval Rocket history. And the first win, this comes from Mike O'Brien. So if if these are wrong, go yell at him, not me. Uh, The first series win for a Canadians affiliate since 2011. So it's been a long time. That it that is the truth, and that team was coached by Randy Cunningworth, and that tells you how long it has been since a Canadians AHL affiliate has one been competitive, two made the playoffs and won a round. Yes, the team in 2017 did win, uh, get into the playoffs where they lost to the Syracuse Crunch. But I look at this series here and I go, Jean Francois Houle managed to get this team down to nothing into some kind of gear to score a power play goal in the second period and then come back and with 39 seconds left on the clock, Cedric Paquette banked in the uh, tying goal and they won in overtime thanks to Gabriel Bork cashing in on a Danik Martel uh, rebound off of Maxime Lagasse. And it is... I didn't think they were going to win game three or game five. I'm I'm sorry there. Uh, they were down to nothing. They weren't generating much offense. And then everything just clicked. They were extremely good heading into the second period. And in the third period, it was just rocket attack, rocket attack, rocket attack, rocket attack. They got the net empty. It was rocket attack, rocket attack. And every little thing that they did, It was just offense, offense, offense. They pushed the pace and did so much that they deserved to win this game. Maxime Lagasse was extreme, or Legacy, I'm not 100% sure there. Legacy. (laughs) There we go. Was extremely good in net for the crunch. And talking to the people at Raw Charge, the SB Nation uh, lightning site, this entire series was a coin flip that could have gone either way 
And there's just no middle ground is that it was an extremely hard fought series that came down to a fifth game. And you know what? The team that wanted it more won on that. And there's so much talk about prospects about Yessi Alonen and Raphael Harvey Pinard and Caden Primo and all these other people, Matthias Norlinder. The Rocket did what they needed to do to win this game. You were in the playoffs now. Unfortunately, prospect development takes a backseat to winning important games. And John Francois Houle went with 11 defensemen or 11 forwards, seven defensemen. Norlander was the extra defenseman. Devontae Smith Pelly was scratched for Peter Abandonado. And the Rocket were just the better team. They struggled at first and they came back. It's a team showing resiliency when their backs were against the wall. Xavier Ouellette says that no one came in, no one said anything. They knew what they had to do after the second period, which to me reads one of the coaches came in, yelled themselves blue, and then you guys won. But the Rocket have won a playoff round for the first time in 11 years, and that is it, – it's fantastic. It's worth celebrating. I think so too. And I, like I, the thing that I thought about yesterday – at the end of the game, obviously not during the game, is that, you know, when you're in a playoff, you're in an elimination game or any kind of playoff series and your team goes down 2-0, you start to get that dread, right? Like, and I didn't feel that dread. What I felt was the excitement and the urgency. And I think this is like, that that encapsulates this Rocket team more than anything. We talked so much about how they score by committee. There's no real superstars or anything like that. We were also going to talk about over the course of the offseason, obviously, about how the Canadians can use the Rocket to their advantage and treat them like a development team. Uh, but right now, it's not about development. It's about winning in the playoffs. And they're making good decisions. They're playing confidently. They're playing, I don't want to say resilient because they have been resilient all season. I mean, just I just think about the number of times any of their core players or key players have been plucked and brought to the NHL team because of all the injuries or things like that. Like, you know, they've suffered injuries themselves. Over the course of this season, we've seen a team that gives you hope, right? And that's kind of all you want as a sports fan. And I think what the Laval Rocket are doing just up the metro, like just off the island, it's so exciting for this market. It's so exciting for us to be able to watch it, watch them in the North Division uh, finals, I guess. And uh, we're going to find out who their opponent is tonight, right? But we don't even know who the opponent is. We don't even know when the schedule is. And they are selling tickets already. Like, that's how excited people are, uh, are about this team. And I just want to say real quick that... I've just been so impressed with the way that they've carried themselves in games where they were down, right? And per this is particularly true in the playoffs, but they've just been an exciting team to watch all season. They've worked hard enough and they've done what they need to do in terms of decision-making and hard work in order to get to this point. And I'm just so excited to see, you know, they're up against possibly a really, really tough team uh, if, if the Comets, right? If the Comets end up being their opponent. So it's not, it's not about like not getting your hopes up because I feel like with this Laval team, I can get my hopes up. I might get disappointed, but they've given me enough reason to hope. And I know we're going to talk about specific performances a little bit later in the show when it comes to some of their prospects and uh, a couple of people that we want to single out from the series. But I just, I'm, I'm just excited about this team. And, and it's been so long that we, since we've had an AHL team to have fun with. And, and, and that's the thing is that, like, we look at who their next opponent might be. It might be Rochester, who has Peyton Krebs and uh, J.J. Paterka and Jack Quinn. 
and they've put up a hell of a fight against Utica. And then Utica, who is a stacked team with Alexander Holtz and AJ Greer and all these other pieces, it's not going to be an easy third round. It's never meant to be, but they've played both teams tough all season is that there's no easy wins here. And the opportunity is there for them to make a real statement here is that, do I think, do I know if they're going to win the Calder cup? No. Do I think they have every chance in the world to make it really hard on everybody? Absolutely. And coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the prospects who have kind of showed their medal and who we think is going to really kind of show, you know, their, what their true colors are in the next series. And that's all coming up next. But first, if you have followed this show, you know that Laura and myself love Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They are covered in 100% real chocolate. And if you love Built Bar, you're going to love Built Puffs, which is the first protein-infused marshmallow coated in 100% real chocolate, obviously. And there's a brand new flavor. It is birthday cake. And it is absolutely incredible. I got to try a sample box of it, taking the dog out on a walk on the way to work. Whether you need that boost midday, Built Puffs can be there for you. They're that extra special treat any given day. Low calories, 17 grams of protein, only 7 grams of sugar. They have everything that you need. And if you go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, you're going to get 15% off your next order. So go check out built.com, find whatever you were looking for, build a sample box, build, buy built puffs, whatever you need. Locked 15 is going to get you 15% off your next order. All right. So we're going to step a little bit into my realm of expertise here. Obviously, the Rocket have won three games to two over the Syracuse Crunch. And the biggest name among all prospects that really stood out here, I thought Jesse Alonen played decently well, but what everyone should be talking about heading out of this series is Caden Primo. Three and one series record, 940 save percentage. He is the reason, and I do not hesitate to say this, the Rocket are through into the third round here. Jean-Francois Houle made the right bet that Kevin Poulin, who had been very strong down the stretch, should have been his game one starter. He was the reason they had gotten into the playoffs when Primo was called up to the NHL and everything else. And Primo, after starting game two, locked it down. Even in the game that he lost, it was not due to his goaltending. And we talk a lot about what you know the future holds for Caden Primo. You talked with Dylan Why You and I have talked about goaltending. Caden Primo has kind of reestablished himself in the kind of pantheon of Habs prospects here, not just among goalies, but in general, he has been lights out in the playoffs. And without him, the Rocket are not through to this next round right now. He he shut down Charles Houdon in overtime, Alex Barry Boulay in over in uh, regulation in the third period, late in the third period when they were looking for another goal. Caden Primo has been the absolute backbone of the rocket so far. And that I hope sets some fans kind of at peace for the upcoming season. 
I would say so. And here's the thing is that I feel right now, I feel a lot more confident with Caden Primo. There have been so many question marks because most of us have been mostly, uh, you know, been able to watch him at the NHL level, not the AHL level this season and the past season. And it has left a lot to be desired. And inexperience is part of it. But I think about it in this way, in that, you know, anybody when they're developing and they're trying to get to the elite level of their sport, there's got to be setbacks that you can learn from. And when we talked to Dylan Waugh specifically, one of the things that he mentioned was that when you want to get to the next level as a goaltender, what's worked for you previously might not work for you against even better competition, right? And when you're talking the NHL, you're talking the best of the best, the people that have made it to the NHL. So I think that there's nothing wrong with him examining the way that he plays and trying to adjust it for better competition. But at this point in time, what he's doing with the rocket, I think, is going to reestablish his path. And any kind of, I think, I think it's how you respond to the adversity, right? So when you're getting this confidence with the AHL, like I, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, what he needs or what he's going to do, but to me, that gives him an opportunity to walk away in the off season and say, "All right, I'm not a terrible goaltender." I just need to work harder for the NHL level. And what do I do? And hopefully he's surrounded by the right coaching, the right skills, people, the right, uh, the, the Habs are giving him the right advice for his development. Like that's what you kind of hope, because to me, this just makes it, this just makes all of the, it doesn't make the question marks disappear, but it makes all of the anxiety subside, right? Like this is how a developing goaltender should be playing at this stage. He should be playing lights out. And he has been, and he's been really, really impressive in this first round. He, he's been impressive in Laval in general. So I just think that, you know, a few more games will, will help. And I do think that it really has to do with how the Canadians handle his development from here on in, because I feel like we can be confident that he's not a lost cause. And that, that to me was something that I was really worried about over the course of the last couple of seasons. Is Caden Primo a lost cause? Was it a flash in the pan, his prior success? I don't think so. I think maybe he, he might not be as good as Carey Price, but he might be a competent goaltender. <laughs> and that's something that there was a huge question mark about before now. And that's the thing is like, we don't need him to be carry price is that I wrote an article about this on eyes on the prize is that he's surprisingly been remarkably consistent in his age. career. He's been a nine Oh nine, a nine Oh eight and then nine Oh nine again. And then he has been lights out in the playoffs. This year is that when he's been called upon Caden Primo has been a very consistent, good goalie. And then I look at his NHL time this season and I go, Prime Dominic Hasek would have been like hung out to dry in all of this. There's nothing he could have done that would have made it better. And Caden Primo, as a young developing goaltender, was shockingly overwhelmed. I Maybe not shockingly. And I think that soured a lot of fans here. And I think that's unfair to him, unfortunately, is that he got put into a situation that he could not win in. Is that the team is not playing well in front of him. He is not making the saves he need to be. He needs to be. And then he's got to be asked to carry this load that he is not capable of doing right now. And in the AHL, he's right where he needs to be in his development. He is winning games that he should win. He's still in the occasional game here and there. And nothing seems outside the realm of normal development. And the hardest part is goalie development is not linear. 
We look at a guy like Jack Campbell, who was nothing for years, and then has come on to be a starting strong goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then we've seen other people have come in and been absolutely hot and then fallen off the platform here. And then I think Caden Primo falls in the latter categories that he needs just some more time and then he's going to be ready. And when he's ready, he's going to be very good. I've watched him in the playoffs. He's technically sound. He's not allowing rebounds. Any rebounds he does allow, he is tracking the puck well. He's playing with authority. And that's what you want to see from a young goalie. Like a lot of guys with Kevin Poulin getting the first start might have lost some confidence. He took that as a challenge, one game two, one game three, even in game four where he might not have been at his peak, he didn't let it affect him. And then in game five, he shut the door on the Syracuse crunch. That's what you want to see from goaltender development there. And that I am not a goaltending expert. You had Dylan Wah on last week, and I highly recommend you check out that episode there. But Caden Primo is showing signs of progression. And that's the biggest thing right now I've taken out of these playoffs. That yes, the Rocket have advanced to the third round, but Caden Primo is showing us what he can be as a goaltender. And I think that's very crucial for a team with a very uncertain goaltending future since we don't know when Carey Price is going to be back. We don't know what the future holds. And Caden Primo is going to be potentially that guy sooner rather than later. I absolutely agree. Are there any other prospects that you wanted to call out from the series? I thought, I thought a lot of a lot of them had like flashes of goodness. Um, what are your thoughts? My biggest thought on this series is that the Rocket top line of RHP, Rafael Harvey, Pinard, Jean Sebastian D, uh, Alex Belzio slash Yessi alone, and they rotated them through there, were quiet. And the thing is, that's not a bad thing because they got depth scoring Donic Martel, Cedric Paquette, Gabriel Bork, Louis Belpedio. It, it It's the Rocket, as good as they have been this year, are not a deep Canadians prospect team. And that's okay. A lot of these guys are still coming to roost in the next couple of years at Jordan Harris, a Justin Barron. You know, we're going to see guys like Sean Farrell, Jaden Struble. Emil Heinemann are all going to be pieces that rotate through here. It's okay if they're not the only stars of this team. Uh, Christopher Perot, who covers the team like I do for Eyes on the Prize, Jesse alone and clocked in at 80% like Corsi four chances. He's playing well. The chances are flowing. Just because the numbers aren't good doesn't mean they're not playing well. In the game, in the series against let's say Rochester, who is more offensive. There's going to be more space, more opportunity, more points. Utica is going to be a lot more physical. So a guy like a Raphael Harvey Pinard and Alex Belziel, et cetera, is going to shine in that bump and grind environment. And that's not a bad thing. The playoffs are about winning. The regular season is about getting to the playoffs and development. Jean-Francois, who will mention that he's like, I'm going to play the best lineup. And I think that's important is that he's not going to sacrifice victories for the sake of development. Yes, we want to see the prospects thrive, but you need to win games. In the playoffs, you only get five or seven chances at it, you know, and that's important. And I think he's got that mindset dialed in uh, very well here. And 
to kind of shift gears a little bit, we've had people ask us about a former head coach, and we're going to talk about him and what that means and his firing coming up in the next segment. But as always, this show is sponsored by betonline.net, and BetOnline continues to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Go to the website, betonline.net, check out the latest development, scores, everything else for the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, the UFC, boxing, and everything else, everything that you're going to need. And BetOnline is the continued source for all your wagering info. They have every little thing you need, including futures and any other kind of bet. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So Laura has some of these uh, questions we've been <laughs> asked about former AHL coach and what we honestly thought might be future NHL coach, Joel Bouchard. To kind of give some backstory to this, Bouchard led the Laval Rocket to a, a Canadian division title last year during the COVID season, which is Weird as it was, the Rocket were a very, very good team last year under Joel Bouchard. He left in the offseason while the Canadians were in the playoffs. It was a very weird story. He went to San Diego. San Diego did not advance beyond the play-in round, and the Anaheim organization, now under the uh, guidance of Pat Verbeek, let him and his entire coaching staff, so Joel Bouchard, Daniel Jacob, and I believe it um, – not Kunitz, uh, Pascal Dupuis, were all let go from coaching the AHL affiliate San Diego Gulls. And Laura, we have had questions about Joel Bouchard and what he might fit in the Canadians organization potentially. Uh, do you have those pulled up? or uh, um, I'm just going to know. It's because it comes up all the time now. In the last few days, people have said it in the comments. Uh, I know Rick B mentioned it. Um, a couple of times and, and and multiple listeners have asked this on Twitter and the YouTube comments as in emails. What do you think of having Joel Bouchard uh, come back and be part of Martin St. Louis staff or part of the development program in the Montreal Canadiens? And I'm of two minds because it's absolutely true that he led the Laval Rocket. Like he brought the most success out of them than anyone had seen in years after the Lefebvre era, which was full of disappointment, full of disappointing play. Uh, the Canadians that were called up to, uh, sorry, the Rocket that were called up to the Canadians performed really well uh, because they had played in a system. Anybody who was sent down was kind of brought into line, that kind of thing. But here's my question is that, just because it worked in the AHL doesn't necessarily mean that it would work in the NHL. And another reason is that I know that there's still a lot of a lot of players, coaches, staff that are still here from the Bergevin era. But why would you want to open up that can of worms when you've got a guy currently coaching the Laval Rocket, who is by all accounts a good coach, that players love him and perform for him and they play really well for him, 
Um, you know, he's he's kind of unassuming, right? Joel Bouchard is a huge personality, and that's why he has a lot of fans, right? Like a lot of people love him because of the way his demeanor, his post games, his his philosophies, his like his quotes and things like that. Uh, metaphors, I believe, he had a big thing with. Yeah, and 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 he did like it. It's true that he took a team that was very disappointing for a long time and made them legitimately really good, right? Like that's exciting, but at the same time. We're in a new era now with the Montreal Canadiens. We're in a new front office, right? The way that it ended with him here, for him here, and the way that it ended for him in Anaheim as well, it, le- it gives me a lot of question marks because I don't know what his career goals might be, but I want to say that the Montreal Canadiens have a pretty decent idea. Like, and 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 it's not to say like JF Hool is from the Bergevin era, right? Like, it's not it's not universal that everybody has to leave or be fired or be let go and replaced. I don't think that. I just think that the Canadians right now are in a good position. So why would you want to mess with that? If Martin St. Louis wanted different people, he would have said so. In his post-game conference, he said that he didn't foresee making major changes to his coaching staff, right? So unless somebody comes by and tries to pluck Alex Burroughs or or Luke Richardson away, like with with a promotion... I don't necessarily think that there's going to be that much change. I think the Canadians are going to try and build a skills department. They've already got somebody who's heading that. They're going to build an analytics department. They've got somebody who's heading that. We didn't even talk about that. Christopher Boucher. Like, right? Like, there's a lot of things that they're doing. I don't think that there's any real reason to look at Joel Bouchard and say, come to a team you've already worked for and had success like if i'm joel bouchard i'm looking to advance my career elsewhere like the opportunity that he probably wants is probably not here and that's the thing is i look at this and i go i was someone who liked a lot of what bouchard did he got a lot out of quite frankly crap a lot of the time because he was a motivator but at the same time Nothing there screamed, I am an NHL coach. Please give me this promotion. Yeah, you motivated minor leaguers and guys who are coming off of, you know, CHL, NCAA careers. That's great. But your style of trying to motivate in a, cer- in a certain way here is not going to work on a roster where you have a guy going, I make $9.5 million a year they're going to fire you before they do anything to me isn't going to work. And my biggest thing with Bouchard is I think he had some headbutting a little bit with Mark Bergevin because they're both big personalities. And I look at this and go, I think he found pieces that fit his AHL system very well, but that does not mean that with Jean-Francois Houle in charge that he is going to find the right pieces. Oh yeah. This is a guy that I know does this. Does he fit this system right now? And who has it has his own style. Uh, players have talked about how he doesn't yell. He's been very understanding and building on this. And Bouchard was very direct. If he thought you weren't playing well, he wasn't going to say, ah, oh, this guy sucked. But he would say, ah, oh, well, we need more from, you know, X players. And, you know, we expect more from this team. I don't know where his fit is in here right now, unfortunately. And I liked Joel Bouchard as a rocket coach. He always had time. He was very polite to myself. But at the same time, the results don't lie. Jean-Francois, who has his team in the third round, this is his team now. 
There is not Joe Bouchard. There's not the remnants of that. Yes, the right guys know what they need to do here, like a Rafael Harry Pinard, a Alex Belzeal, a Toby Paquette Bisson, etc. But it is Jean Francois Houle's team. It is no longer Joe Bouchard. We cannot get hung up on what might have been. I do think he had a good eye for scouting minor league talent, but at the same time, Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes are going to want their guys. And I don't think Bouchard is going to take being fired after a year as a anything but a challenge. I think he's going to be a head coach somewhere shortly here. I think he, his resume speaks for itself. I do not think it's going to be with a rocket. I do not think it's going to be with the Canadians organization. I think he has the skills to make that work, but I do not think it is in within uh, the new Canadians regime here, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's true. And so I just want to remind everybody before we go, uh, please send us your mailbag questions for tomorrow. We are an episode behind and we thank you for bearing with us um, for extenuating circumstances. And Scott and I are both a little bit under the weather today. So thank you for watching and listening this long. Uh, I hope that we both feel better for our mailbag episode. Uh, And in the meantime, Scott, do you want to do the outro? Do you want to do the honors or shall I do them? (laughs) I I, I got it. I am good to go here. As always, thank you for listening or watching you can follow us at lockdown canadians on youtube.com please subscribe we are closing in on 800 subscribers already that is an incredible feat thank you so so much on twitter you can follow us at lo underscore canadians if you want to tweet us your mailbag questions there as well lockdown canadians at gmail.com if you want to send them there they were a little bit lengthier you can follow laura at the active stick you can follow myself at scott matla As always, thank you for making us your first listen or watch of the day, depending on how you do this. And when you're done listening to us talk about the rocket or whatever, please check out Lockdown NHL, where all of our local experts have all the information you need on the remaining playoff teams coming up. As always, thank you for listening. We will see you for our mailbag episode on Friday.